Welcome to the Free Associates. That's right, folks, the Free Associates. The freedom to associate with any idea or noting that comes our way. And the, the ability to free associate. To just let your mind wander. To see a big truck on the highway, which reminds you on sand in a box, which reminds you, for some reason, of white sugar which you know is not good for you and hurts your teeth, then you remember that root canal, those pills you took for the pain, the withdrawal. That's what we do here at the Free Associates. We are the first fully automated talk show, linked directly to your preferences. You'll find buttons on your radio device. Green is for good. Yellow is for neutral. Red is for bad. When you hear something you like, press green. When you hear something you don't like, press red. We will adjust the show immediately to suit your preferences. We do this through a radical new technology called scene splitting. A trademark of the free associates. Every time you make a choice, a new option, and in many ways, a new life emerges. All right, what a bunch of nonsense was that? You know, it's the kind of nonsense we like here on The Free Associates. And everything that robot said was true. And everything that robot said was geared to your and mine and my guest preferences. And so, welcome to The Free Associates, folks. That's right, The Free Associates. And just so you know, we have our readings every week at thefreeassociates.us. That's right, thefreeassociates.us. There's also a dating app that we have that's just linked to the show, um, which will bring up preferences. And there's only one candidate which is Jeremy Whalen. So we are really hoping... Oh, he's checking his mic. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Not yet, my friend. Not yet. But soon, but soon, but soon. So welcome to the Free Associates. We, we truck in amateurishness, although I, we run the risk today of having a real expert on the show. However, it might be the one show I'd be okay having an expert on because perhaps because I read the article late at night, I just kept going in circles and circles. So we can break out that article in a minute. Um, again, it is the freeassociates.us. Now, we always begin the show with a free association, a loosening exercise, not that we need to be loosened anymore. Of course, whenever I say the word loosening, I just think of stool. So that's bad free association, but it is a natural free association. Loose stool. Okay, apologies. So in a couple of seconds, the whale dog, I think the whale dog, my children are actually at the studio right now. So we have a special treat for you guys midway show. I'm going to bring my kids on to the radio show. But I think my kids actually did this drawing, so that'll be interesting. So, uh, Waylon, in about, <clears throat> excuse me, in about five, four, three, two, one. Show me the picture. Boom. Captain Underpants. Competition. 
Who's going to win? Who are the X's? Who are the O's? What is that tractor doing out in the field? The manure, the fresh manure is drifting over my consciousness and floating away and boom. I actually have to say that's not my best free association. I'm going to have to give myself an 84. I was I was confused and distracted. I apologize, folks. An 84 for my free associations. Uh, it's never been that low, but you know, I think it's because I'm trying to think of what's going on in my kids' heads who are drawing those drawings, and so it becomes a, a little bit of a loop. So we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to WMUA Amherst. You're listening to the Free Associates. We're so glad to be with you. We'll be back in a minute. First, just kind of get your groove on with our prog rock, talk rock, talk show. We'll be back in a minute. Coming back into the studio here at the basin of the neo-brutalist structure here at the center of the UMass campus, which, again, every time I come up to campus, I just like this building more and more. Um, it's the kind of building that when it was built probably in the 70s, people had a big problem with. And it is interesting to see how time heals all wounds in a lot of ways, <laughs> right? Like the Eiffel Tower. I think people hated that and they hated the Louvre or whatever it is. But eventually, I guess enough will was put into making this building and enough cement that you're kind of like, actually, I don't know. It looks pretty permanent. I better get I better get used to it. It, it really is a, like a marvel of just kind of what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. are you, it just looks like it's going to crumble on itself. It looks right. like it's just going to teeter over. That is true, right? And then, go ahead. It's very talk. uninviting, I would say. Just this cold concrete. It's like you're supposed to be drawing in young minds, and it's the center of the campus. Yeah, it's this. <laughs> like at the end, they were like, had their hands crossed, and they're like, "Well, sh- should we paint it? No, 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 yeah. no, no. Too, too, just, bu- too bourgeoisie. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, just leave it like it's just. It's it's fine. It was just like some passive-aggressive guy that was making all the well, decisions. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, it does have that aspect. You know, the fountainhead is like that, right? He That guy blows up his own building because they want to put patios on the apartments for people. And he's so offended by... Of course, <laughs> everyone's life would be much improved by having a patio on their apartment, right? But he... Mm. You know, his principles are as such that he can't stand... It has nothing to do with, actually, people's experience of it, Right. I don't know. I don't know what oh. the heck you're talking about. So. Ayn Rand. <laughs> you lost me, too. Oh, I, okay. Oh, okay. You guys don't know The Fountainhead, Ayn Rand? Never read no. it. Okay, you guys need to get into Rush, and Rush will bring you into The Fountainhead. Mm. That's usually... I like Zeppelin, and he, they're into Lord of the Rings, so... That's right. You, you're of a different kind, and I'm probably more of a Zepp guy than a Rush guy, although I like it all. So, I want to introduce you guys, or have you introduced yourself? Whale Dog, how you doing, man? Good. We just okay, rocked just a... Try uh, not to be so loud. Wow, look at I that. I'm to turn you down a little always bit. always like, get close to the mic. I was telling my three-year-old to get close to the mic, not you. <laughs> okay, so, pal, I'm sorry. By the way, nice mustard shirt. Not too many people can do that. He pulls it off pretty nicely. He does. So, what's up, Whale Dog? Am I on? Yeah, you're on. You're just oh, down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, nothing. We just uh, crushed an MC gig last night, yep. me and That's right. Norm and I. We yep. did a trivia night for the band. It was really cool. Do you good. think we did well? I think we did well. So here's the thing. I think that we did w- well, but the whole kind of 
idea of a trivia night is that you have to sit there quietly. So yeah. you can't bring the gusto. You can't bring the pizzazz that you would. Like, there's not time to put music on. So it gets, it gets a little, it, you know, if, if like our banter is our banter. Yeah. But, you know, in those in-between moments, we really need like a little pizzazz that yeah, I think I it you. lacks in a trivia night. I get you. I get you. I thought it was, a, in general, a nicer crowd than I'm used to there. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was some disgruntlement. And uh, Todd, can I talk to you for a second? Todd, um, it's just an aspect of last night I want to go over. It has nothing to do with the article or anything. <laughs> Waylon already knows what it's about. By the way, Todd, could you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Todd. Uh, yeah. I'm here, I guess, for the second time now. Thanks That's for right. inviting me back. Yeah, I got um, you out of the bullpen, man. You're a yeah. star reliever. <laughs> oh, great. And Todd, can you tell us what you do here? You're at UMass. Yeah, so I'm a research assistant uh, in the Fluid Structure Interactions Lab, so mechanical engineering, uh, working on my doctorate over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fluid, fluid structure. He, he works the Pepsi dispensary. That's, that's what he does. That's Mr. what it is. Yeah. He's a bartender. Fluid, fluid dispensary engineering. That's what they call bartenders now. It's yeah. like barista, but well, it's... Yeah. I put that on my resume so that way people know, but really it's just... Yeah, like yeah. My favorite was when yeah, somebody called uh, their employees sandwich artists. Oh, that's yeah. just beautiful. Or these, well, I have to say that the whole cupping thing, do you know what cuppings are? No. They're like coffee tastings. Cuppings. Oh. And then I'm, oh, I'm you, going, you spit it I'm out. I'm going like to wine. Argentina to do a cupping. It's like, okay, this world needs to <laughs> self-regulate a little bit. <laughs> okay. But, you know, that aside... Um, and we are going to get to the article. Um, Todd, something happened last night. Now, I love Waylon, and we are good amigos and good partners. But, and I wonder, because you grew up with Waylon. Yes. Waylon is standing next to me and his own brother. And I'm standing there. Mm-hmm. And it's just the three of us, really, at the table. He makes no effort to introduce me to his brother. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, okay, see, it seems like you don't have a problem with this either. I guess it's, it might be par for the course and the scars that well, I'm he just has wondering if you're, if, my brother. if you're in the same situation, what do you do? If I were standing there, I, I don't know if I would. I would probably introduce myself, actually, if it came to, uh, if it came to that. I'd probably. Wait, how are you going to introduce? No, no. Both he's, people he's my brother. You. He introduces himself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that to, is see, this is too. really interesting um, because this is a, like a slight beef that my wife and I have, that mm. she won't introduce me when I'm standing there. Now, I spent 20 years in New York, and if you don't introduce someone, that's a really faux pas. Mm. Like in New York, if there's three people and you know them both, you really make the effort to introduce that person. You say, hey, here's Norm, you know, he teaches high school. And no, I think that's all- a polite thing to do, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you figure it out. I think it's no, a New England thing. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, I've definitely found myself in the position where uh, I've been made to feel bad for not uh, <laughs> introducing someone. Like, hey, why didn't you introduce me? I think so. I was I raised Catholic. Like, I'm supposed to feel bad about everything. I've been in Vermont. <laughs> I've been in Vermont because Robin's people are up in Vermont in a driveway with my brother-in-law and two other people. That We were literally the only people around for six square miles. And he didn't introduce me to the people. And we're standing there. <laughs> Like, and I, he's such a great guy. It's not that he's a bad person. It really is a manners thing. Like, it's just like, I don't know, but we were there for like four minutes not saying anything. I'm like, I've even had that in the hills up here yeah, in see, Shelburne. that's your problem. Yeah. yeah you, you know introduce yourself. My pet peeve is when people can't take initiative. And you didn't take initiative. It just feels awkward. Uh, it just it feels, feels awkward. for you, I, not I, me. No, but I would feel like, and I don't really want to get stuck on this, but isn't it... Isn't it make sense for the person who knows both people to make the introductions? 
Doesn't that where, where's the, your initiative last night? Shouldn't you have initiated? You know your brother and you know me. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. No. <laughs> You're the one who lacked I'll, initiative. Well, I'll I'll say this uh. though. I went and had a drink at Packard's afterwards, and as people were coming in, that's a formal in. There yeah. was no like formal in. You guys are had. Well, I'm going to take there. an initiative right now and turn your mic off. Okay, so because <laughs> and and because we have to get. I'm going to put you back on. Uh, we have to get to the article. It's my fault for bringing it up. Your fault. As I always say to my students, whenever we get on a tier, it's like, I get it. It's my fault. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Okay, so I, I appreciate that. So we have an article, and I did find it a little bit confusing, um, but it, it's kind of making the statement. I actually was going to ask you, Todd, if you could kind of summarize it. Um, but it's talking about automation and the problems with automation. Can you give us a kind of just a, like, not, a, not an analysis of the article, but what do you think this is saying? Well, so what I think it's trying to um, illuminate, right, is as we get farther and farther down the path of artificial intelligence and we come up with these new algorithms that can um, sort of select what we see and don't see, and they bring up the example of YouTube and how that algorithm works, right, um, to show content, right, um, if there's a way in which we can change our the people's defining these these computer, you know, the brains of the artificial intelligence, if we can come up with a way that um, might, mm, I don't know, be a, a more beneficial, maybe even moral type uh, artificial intelligence, right? Something that can kind of uh, guide towards our preferences as opposed to, you know, maybe pushing an agenda, whether that's intentional or not. But I think that was sort of my takeaway of the, the article. Okay, that's, I think that's definitely a, b- a big aspect of it, right? And just like intelligent automation, is that they do the paperclip. I couldn't totally understand that, but it, there was this idea that if you, Wayland, do you want to ch- jump in? Yeah, I, I briefly clicked on it because there's yes, kind of clicks. like articles within yeah. articles. So the paperclip was that the idea that the what was trying the algorithm was trying to do was create paperclips, but it somehow it kind of spurred a life of its own where it was creating not only paper clips but creating more and more paperclip factories to to the point where the paperclip it was paperclips taking over the entire world type right. situation yeah. because it was really trying to leverage or just you know expand on the benefit so what's okay. better than having paper clips take all the way the real estate of the world yeah and i think that it ties into and it's very similar to the way that i think the algorithms that they're referring to specifically of today right there is an analogy there because in that case the the paper clip manufacturing uh machine if you will is programmed to be the best possible um paperclip manufacturing thing. And what ends up happening is in order to get better and better at making paperclips, it needs to make more and more factories that make paperclips. And it goes mm-hmm. down this path that basically turns the world into a paperclip, paperclip factory. Oh. And this is an interesting reflection on our own experience, right? Seen that way. Is that like growth for growth's sake and, you know, how we can personally obsess about getting something better or optimizing mm. it far, far past the point in which it's serving us except for making it faster or better. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Like, in some ways, we are robots as well. Like, you, you not totally because it's more nuanced, but if we have a, a North Star, then we tend to focus that to, to the exception of other things, and it doesn't necessarily work. Well, they, they also mentioned that this kind of, like, off-switch scenario. Okay, so talk AI. about that. 
So and I, can I just say, just kind of quickly, and I told Todd before when we were walking down, going down the escalators, automation, by the way, uh, <laughs> dangerous automation. Aren't escalators just dangerous? I just always they, felt they're just like Yeah, dangerous. talk about brutalist structures. You know, just, Those things just look like they're going to cheese grate you up no, if you do one wrong no step. See, what I don't understand is they're always broken down. Like how frequently, yeah. they've been making escalators for how long now? And whenever I go to get on one, like at the, I go to these conferences, right? Without fail, when there's a lot of people using them, they break down. Yeah. Like, why are they always broken? <laughs> yeah, but it's like the Mitch Hedberg uh, um, joke where he's like, yeah, it's just, they just become stairs. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> so become why, stairs. They but still functional. But oddly spaced <laughs> stairs. Yeah. Oddly spaced. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're spaced correctly like stairs. You know, stairs are have a real standard of spacing so that we're used to them. Yeah. And if you get on a weird staircase, it can really throw you off. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid in Boston, they actually had, I think, the oldest escalator still running. It was like these wood slats that you would kind of hang on to. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Do not sign me up for that. <laughs> yeah. The oldest escalator ever. Not only are you going to fall on this thing, you oh, shred it, it up, really the splinters dangerous. are going to go all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, it felt really yeah. dangerous. So talk to us about the off switch. So the off switch is the idea <sighs> that in artificial intelligence, you it's trying to optimize the best possible outcome. So... Uh, the kind of anecdote or the example that's used is there's an AI that is going to program a hotel room based on your preferences okay. that it thinks that you're going to nice, a nice, classy hotel room. It thinks the probability of it matching with you is either going to be slightly good or slightly bad, but it leans on the side that it thinks it's going to make a good decision for you. But should it ask you or just book that hotel room? Should it go against itself if it if it's hedging its bets on the fact that it's going to make a good decision for you even if it's slightly just a slightly good decision should it shut itself off or the off switch should it should it stop itself and say i'm going to give you this uh decision to make or should it make it for you because it goes counterintuitive to the reason why we have this artificial intelligence is to, to not bother kind us. of learn and make those decisions on in, their own in that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I didn't pick that up. But I mean, any any person who's been in a relationship has had that experience. Like, Robino asked me to do something, and that part of that is she doesn't want to have to think about it. I understand that. But then I'll hit a point where I'm like, well, and I have to make the choice. Do I have to go back to Robin with this, or do I make a decision she's really not going to like? I mean, so I can really relate to the robot there. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think I, I kind of interpreted that section of the article as a description of like a failsafe, right? Something mm-hmm. that that we would build into artificial intelligence that is the automatic off switch, right? That says, okay, um, we don't ever want to end up in a scenario where the machines won't let us turn them off, right? Yeah. And I think that's what the, the whole yeah. idea of controlling um, this doomsday scenario, which again, I think is my personal opinion is a little alarmist. I don't think, uh, I don't yeah, think. How could we not turn off the paperclip robot? Wouldn't we just unplug the paperclip robot? Well, that's the thing. Was if they're in charge of their own power switches? This is well, this kind of, of gets you, you to ask them off. You put, you put the of, power switch in the lower back of any robot. You know, like right. Right, and that's I don't think spot. I can touch my own. Though. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> like the a point. Robot's going to, no, but like a robot's going to be able to do that. He's uh-huh. going to be like zoop zoop. Just blip. give him short, 
give them short arms. I mean, I think it's it's maybe a bit. I thought it was maybe just a bit hypothetical. Like in terms right. of, I think it's yeah. it's an interesting philosophical thing to to look at. But in terms of where artificial intelligence is and potentially going, I think we're giving it a lot of credit. We're saying, okay, this thing is you know pretty soon going to be. Um, having feelings and falling in love like sure. you see in the movies. Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade Runner. It's such a beautiful speech. I should have I should have brought it in to play, right? Like Tears Lost in the Rain. Mm. You remember that speech right at the yeah. end yeah. where he's talking about I've seen things that no man has seen. That's <laughs> beautiful. Um, I agree with you about that, Todd. And I have to say, like, I worry about automation for my children and stuff like that and the number of jobs lost. And then I'm constantly experiencing appliances that are clueless, mm-hmm. totally clueless. Uh, my dryer, if I put my just my jogging pants in the dryer, keeps shutting off because it's like, I don't really see anything in here. Mm. You know? It's or just maybe like, it's I'm going, just, just go. hey, Norm, you're kind of ruining the world by putting your jogging pants only into the machine. <laughs> well, it could be you saying that. You might want to slow your roll. Well, I guess that's an even bigger danger, right? Is that in, enforcement of value through automation. Point. That's what we were talking about a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so I think, and that maybe that's where this starts to, uh, this starts to kind of, Again, get a little bit uh, outside of what the machines can actually do or what we're asking them to do. So we're saying, okay, artificial intelligence has gone down this path of sort of we've asked it to optimize the wrong thing, and as a result, we're getting negative impacts. Now what we want to do is we want to also have uh, artificial intelligence be our moral compass, right? That's Mm -hmm. almost what it sounded like to me. You know, it's like, okay, well, uh, the example that they gave, right, is in YouTube, right, if you watch uh, if you watch a Trump rally, then all of a sudden it starts pushing for more and more extreme um, content, right? So you start with the Trump rally, then you end up at a white supremacist, uh, you know, rally and all of this uh, kind of downward spiral into darker and darker parts of the of the Internet. And I think more than a failure on the artificial intelligence, it's... M- actually a social experiment that says, okay, wait, what are people watching, you know? Right, and also, um, so the YouTube one was a really interesting, because I've always felt um, that the YouTube algorithm is is pretty good compared to, like, Spotify. Spotify is, um, Spotify radio is good, but whenever they put a preference in my playlist, it's always the same ones, too. Mm. It's like the Doobie Brothers or something. I'm like, (laughs) I do not want to listen to that song. (laughs) Although I like some Doobie Brothers, but... um, I found that the YouTube algorithm is is pretty good, and the good thing about I would say the YouTube algorithm is it's not just spitting back kind of what I'm watching. Like it does try to lead you. Mm-hmm. Now um, it is does seem like a problem though because if you're watching something that's kind of shocking to you or extreme, it's hard sometimes to turn away, and then that just keeps like pushing you towards a radical Absolutely. End. I think what it comes down to is a problem, like, we're talking... Whenever somebody is having trouble on a computer, almost always it's the person has pressed the wrong button or done some sort of human error and then all of a sudden blames it on the computers. The computer, that algorithm on YouTube is saying, based on your demographics and your demographics, this is a video that, one, was 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 also viewed, but it was also viewed for 82.5% of the yes. actual video. So, it's going off of all that stuff. It's not necessarily saying, oh, because, there, it's, um, Trump, because you watch this Trump one, you're going to like uh, this white supremacist one. It's, 
because you've watched this Trump one and are this demographic with all of this data that we found, these other people have watched these videos and liked them, therefore, so it's tying this stuff in. So it's really, a, a, like, it's more of a remark on the human psyche and how the, the depths that we go, if anything else. And there's one other thing. There's a, there was a Twitter bot that was created that was, I think it was Microsoft or, or I forget exactly who looked it up, or I'll look it up, but it was created to go and have interactions and learn from all the other tweets of other, of people that are tweeting. And it's <laughs> quickly... I uh, had to get shut down because it learned how to swear and be racist. Yes. And it was mm. learning all of the things I saw that. that trolls do on Twitter. Hmm. Right. And I, I walked away actually with the same opinion. Uh, you know, uh, again, I thought of it much more as an interesting social experiment. It was like a sort of a backdoor way of getting an idea of how, uh, how human beings interact with uh, the content on the internet, right? So the only reason why it's going as as Whalen said, going towards these more extremist uh, videos is because people watch them for longer. So there's something psychologically about these ex- these more, uh, you know, whether they be graphic or controversial uh, videos that we tend to watch for longer. What the algorithm doesn't do, and maybe what's missing, is, is it doesn't gauge our emotional response. Yeah. It doesn't know, it knows that we've watched yeah. it for longer, but it doesn't know that this is deeply offending us. Right. I think that biologically you can make the case that humans do watch those things longer because it has more to do with their survival. That is to say, that kind of rubbernecking or that kind of extreme is biologically uh, you're compelled to keep your eyes on it because you don't want to stare away. No, (laughs) There's a very funny Dennis Leary joke um, where he's like, you know, when I was a kid, they always – they. you know, they always said, oh, that's a generation that watches too much TV. That's a generation that watches too much TV. It's like we saw Lee Harvey Oswald get shot on live TV. We weren't going to turn away from it, you know, and now yeah, you think yeah, how yeah. quaint that is, honestly. Right. But we're biologically designed to not turn away from something that's new and threatening, right? Like Absolutely. literally you're supposed to keep your eyes on threatening things. And so this algorithm innocently perhaps is – you know, I get what you're saying, Whalen. It's not like uh, necessarily a Dr. Evil algorithm, although I think you could easily tweak the algorithm to get oh, yeah, this effect. Sure. Well, so what I thought was interesting is they, they, they made the point that, oh, you know, maybe we should be – the computer programmers ought to tweak the algorithm to try and, you know, think ahead of where the algorithm might ultimately yeah. go and, and to try and compensate for that. And then at that point, you're falling into this dark realm of manipulation that's – absolutely happening currently, right? Right. But these programmers, right, it all depends on what the motivating factor is, right? So if the motivating factor in the case of YouTube was to increase viewership, the writers of the algorithm actually did a fantastic job. They got people watching the videos for longer. The algorithm did exactly what it was supposed to do. And Facebook got into some heat several years ago for this exact thing, the tweaking of the algorithm. They were actually experimenting with showing you more positive things and negative things. And even slight tweaks like that can just have a significant impact on the psyche of millions of, of subscribers to their to their platform. And this is where tech companies are really between a rock and a hard place a little bit. I mean, they're corporations, they're public. I don't want to de- sit here and defend Facebook or Twitter that much or even YouTube, but their job is to increase views. I mean, they're responsible in some ways to their shareholder. This is the the problem with the whole corporate system, perhaps, is that like it's you can sue a company for not 
making more money if you're a shareholder. You can sue that company and get to the shareholders meeting. But let me just and so they're stuck between that and a public that's uh, really upset about naturally upset about where a lot of this is going. And uh, how do you regulate it? You know, right? I think I mean when when we look at sort of what potentially caused that, right? Is that so? You take someone who has this idea, right? Facebook, as an example, at some point that that idea in that interface had to be um, had to had to make money, right? And so, how do you deal with that monetization of these these algorithms or these ideas, right? And what does that mean again? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we can, when we come back after the break, we can kind of unpack that as well. So there's actually a lot going into the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, most definitely. Um, uh, we are WMUA Amherst here, and we're get, heading to the halfway point of the Free Associates. I want to remind you guys that the freeassociates.us has everything you need in terms of readings and etc. access to podcasts, which is podcasted everywhere. Um, we'll be back and we're with the whale dog and Todd Courier. You should probably, Todd, since you're in our bullpen, Free Associates bullpen, probably come up with a nickname for yourself. Sounds good. You don't have to do it this second, but you probably should. The whale dog, that's an easy one. I came up with that. And of course, I am the BIQ. I'm the barbarian in question. It, I mean, do you typically give yourself your own nickname or is it usually well, given gave, to you? I gave him the nickname. I don't know why, right? Whale dog? Yeah, I think that was me. Well, we used to call uh, Toddy. <laughs> Had a lot of them. Hot Toddy, Toddy with the body. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I don't know if we could be saying all these things. I'll try to. I'll, I'll go into the past. I'll go deep into the archives. All right. Now, folks, we'll be back in just a minute. Enjoy the music.